Howdy friends and welcome to another episode of Escaping the Cave, Tanzilla X-Pod, escapingthecave.com is the website, I also have a Substack site set up, it's uh, Tanzilla X over there, Facebook, Twitter, Escaping the Cave, I'm your friendly host Todd, hello there, it is uh, Monday morning, February 22nd of 2021, this episode's a little different, uh, <laughs> alright, I'm going to level with you, uh, I went out and uh, grabbed a virtual reality system, the uh, Oculus Quest 2 over the weekend. Despite it being from Facebook, went and got it. It's a temporary purchase, never intended to keep it. It is going to go back, but I am fascinated by virtual reality. I think virtual reality in 10 or 15 years, when the technology catches up, see this stuff, I think, compared to a lot of things, the virtual reality ecosystem, the hardware, reminds me of, I don't know, like a Sega Genesis in 1995. But it's rapidly catching up with everything else. And when it does, I'm convinced VR is going to take over the world, man. Once they can figure out how to get these things, get the resolution right, to get you fully immersed, I think it's going to be something that (laughs) is going to be so addictive. It's the future. And I want to learn a lot more about it. How does that apply to you? Why am I telling you this? Because I spent probably three and a half hours sitting on the couch. I was flying around the Matterhorn, my virtual reality headset, when I should have been in here uh, outlining the show. I came in, do it. I'm like, okay, well, I think I know what I'm doing. And then I got, oh, God, I have a bunch of other stuff. I wanted to talk about Perseverance. I wanted to talk about Nomadland, this new movie that came out that I saw. And all of a sudden, it was 4.30, and I hadn't begun to record anything yet. (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, what was the main crux of this? I looked at my stuff, and it was ideological religion. I wanted to go back and touch on that. I had some more stuff that I wanted to add to that. I was like, you don't want to have a whole episode back there. Ideological religions and the talking dead. That was one of the very first episodes I ever did. Did this back in 2018. One of the first episodes I did after the resurrection, anyway. Yeah, why not? I'll just go grab that. We'll use it as a, as a primer. I haven't listened to it in a long time, so I, I need to go back. I need to listen to it anyway. Make sure. I, it'd be kind of fun to see how I did, how things have changed in three years since I recorded it. Did I, how accurate was I? Is this something that's going to hold up? I'm going back and listen to it. Yeah, it did. It, it really did. And I, I'm pretty happy to find that I, I had material in there. This was before I had started on the Jacques Lule book. Before I'd really read it, I'd thumbed through it a little, just tiny little bits. But the stuff that's in here, uh, like uh, talking about, there there are so many premonitions from the Jacques Lule book, Propaganda, that are strewn through it. It just didn't have names. Proselytes and militants. I'm talking about missionaries in here. People going out to spread the good word about their ideological religion or cult. Proselytes. Anyway, what I did was I took the current event stuff out, chopped off at least... 30 to 40 minutes. If you want to hear the original episode, it's still back there. (laughs) Knock yourself out if you want to. It's back in, I think, February 2018. I mean, it's way back there toward the beginning. Uh, But this episode, yeah. I think it works as, it's a nice segue to what I wanted to do next. And I'll I'll talk about, I did want to talk about perseverance. I uh, talked a little bit about that. At the end of the last episode, it felt good to talk about something good. It felt good to advocate for something. 
instead of just complaining. And I was so happy. I sat here and I, I was watching the coverage from JPL. Uh, what was it, Wednesday? I was there Thursday, whatever day it was. And I was thinking to myself, please, for the love of God, there are cameras on this thing. You've got microphones on it. You've got a little friggin' helicopter. The first powered flight aviation, Martian aviation, first time ever. Hey, on another planet. That's so awesome. This thing, if it crashes, I'm going to be so disappointed. I'm going to be crushed because I want to see what this thing's going to do. I want to see the video. I want to see all of this stuff. It's great. And this is this is the path, I think, that the JPL and NASA and these space agencies, even the private ones, need to take because this is fantastic. We now can watch what's happening. We can get video, high-definition video from the planet Mars. They released a video yesterday. They did a panorama with the mast cam and turned on the microphone. You can hear Martian wind. These are incredible times to be alive, man. I really, I'm strongly, seriously considering, if not transitioning or doing a segment on this show about uh, astronomy and space exploration, the things that they are discovering. Did you know they have a telescope going up at the end of the year that's something like a thousand, it might be 10,000 times more sensitive than the Hubble? Have you seen what Hubble came back with in the last 20 years? Oh, my God. These are really incredible times to be alive. I have been. I was a kid. Tell you a little bit more about me. Let's get to know each other, listener. When I was a kid, I was born in the wake of Apollo. All right, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, all those old astronauts were heroes to my generation. These people were gods. These were like who we wanted to be when we grew up. That was the very first thing I wanted to be for a long time and passionately. I wanted to be an astronaut. Now, I did not have the makeup to ever be an astronaut, as it turned out, but that's what I wanted to do. Some people want to be cops. Some people want to be football players. I wanted to be an astronaut. But I never lost the interest in it. I never lost the passion for that sort of exploration, that sort of adventure, I never lost the admiration for the courage it took for people to get on a controlled hydrogen explosion and ride it into orbit or to the moon or to Mars or wherever. Same idea, these old explorers. That's why I have a whole shelf full of books about people, old explorers. Captain Cook, Magellan, John Paul Jones, who wasn't really an explorer, more of a uh, fighting Navy guy. Sir Francis Drake. Lewis and Clark, two of my favorite people. I love their story. I love the courage. I love the people that, that have the courage to go into the unknown. And knowing they may not come back. Blazing a trail. Because other people will follow. They may not want you to go to the moon. They may not want you to spend the money going to Mars, but they'll bask in the achievement and they will bask in the technological advancements. They're not throwing their phones away when they figure out that their cell phone technology is somehow tethered to space exploration. Right? The stragglers will come no matter what. I admire those people. I still admire those people. I'm seriously considering doing a podcast down that line because that felt really good. And it's and this even feels good to talk about something positive, right? 
talk about something good, the good in people, the good aspect of who we are as a species. What we can do as a group, a collective group, when we work towards something positive. Tethered to reason, science, facts, what we can accomplish. I've seen the good in people, man. I've talked about this a, a number of times. I talked about the Black Lands Abyss. Forget when that episode was, but I talked about it because I have been out hitchhiking. I have traveled internationally, backpacking around. I have seen the good in people. I know it's in there, and this is part of the reason that I get so frustrated. I get so angry. People love to call me angry. You're angry, Todd. I am. I think a lot of it's frustration because I have seen the good in you too, and I know it's in there. I do. But the stuff that I'm focusing on, the material that I'm focusing on here, you never know it. I want you to go to the Substack site. And I'm going to put something up from 2017. It's a video that I did on one of my hitchhiking trips. And I think I really need to write this up because the video doesn't do it justice. A write-up, like an old-school blog write-up of that, uh, that specific day would be fantastic. It'll, it'll give you an idea of what I'm talking about here. The good in people. I miss it. I really do. And I know it's in there. The electronic eye that I have on the world and had on the world for the last few years has been the internet, has been social media, has been cable news. I haven't been on the road. I haven't been out hitchhiking since 2017. It's going to be four years in July. I haven't been backpacking internationally since 2018. That was when I came back. It's been three years since I've done shit. Maybe I've forgotten. I don't know. What I do know is that stuff, talking about that stuff, talking about astronomy, talking about space exploration, talking about courage, talking about pushing the boundaries, going where no one has gone before, despite the danger, maybe even because of it, because of the potential failure. I don't know, but that feels good. Didn't intend this to go this long. <laughs> not, the, not the open, anyway. Like I said, this is from 2018. Most of it is uh, about ideological religion and what I call zombies. Uh, folks who have lost their intellectual autonomy can no longer think for themselves. They are being controlled by someone else. They have had a Trojan horse. As I switch metaphors... I don't know, get through the firewall and take over cognition. They're being poked and prodded and buzzed by whomever. Send something into their device and, and triggers some outrage, triggers the, the visceral response. Being controlled by someone else. Whomever is controlling the environment within that electronic echo chamber, they control the cognition. That is what I'm talking about when I talk about zombies in this episode toward the end. Ideological drift, we'll start talking about that. That's pretty self-explanatory. I do the flashback to the episode from 2014 uh, entitled uh, Slithering Fascism. This is when I found the disinformation. I didn't know what the hell it was, but I detected whatever the hell was going on with the uh, social media interference prior to 2016. This goes back to 2014. 
I like to go back and listen to this stuff. I like to see how I did. Sort of sets a barometer for how I'm doing in general in this. You know, I got to admit, I miss some things. Uh, some things I change about this podcast. <laughs> but the vast majority of it is pretty good. I didn't cringe too much. That makes me feel pretty good. Talk about unity, ver- uh, unity rather versus uh, division in this episode. I think it's one of the first times that I talked about, at least on the episode. Heights elephant comes up, post hoc rationalization. That's the Don Quixote thing that I've talked about over and over and over again before I had really gotten to the core of that, so I didn't really know what it was. So the stuff that I'm talking about doesn't mention height, but it mentions height, if that makes sense. Talk about advocacy. I'm going to be talking about advocacy again in another show coming up at some point. Advocacy in this episode is going to be in, in, in context of identity politics, being a lobbyist for a specific identity group. Advocacy. If you've been listening to this show, you may have an idea where I'm going to go with that eventually. We get into uh, righteousness. Jacques Ellul again. The self-radicalization that I've seen people engage in. The dehumanization that takes place when it becomes good versus evil. The ideologies, when they become good versus evil. Not just right and wrong. Not just my opinion, your opinion. Good versus evil. That's the point of dehumanization. That's when you start approaching the point where the thin veneer of civilization starts to be scraped away. Talk about that in this episode, too. Proselytes and militants, that's a Jacques Ellul phrase. I talk about proselytes a lot in this episode. I just don't use the word yet. (laughs) You'll hear it. Look for missionaries. And also uh, talking about this hemisphere's burgeoning holy war. Three years ago, I was talking about this. Final section of this. Uh, start getting into the zombie stuff, stuff I was just talking about. Also, mobs. You can also call this episode Mobs 101, at least that, that last segment of it. I start getting into this, talking about uh, LeBon, Sigmund Freud, their studies on uh, the group mind, the herd mentality. You can throw Trotter in there as well. I got one of his books a few weeks ago. The Cliff Notes version, mobs are stupid. They're dumb. You give up your intellectual autonomy when you join a mob. You become a small part of a larger but much stupider organism. Once again, this was recorded, I think, in February of 2018. It might have been January. I think it was February, though, 2018. Uh, It's back there. If you want to go listen to the original episode, (laughs) you can do that. Just be prepared. I wasn't uh, as hmm, congenial. As I am now. Anyway, thanks for clicking in. Enjoy the show. I'm on late. I got to go. Give me that thing that you said. No, my daddy Yeah, my daddy what did it. I wish somebody tell me what daddy what did it Trying to get back to this sort of baseline of political unaffiliation. Do you know what ideological drift is? Basically, what that means is you hate someone so much, you can't stand their very existence politically. So you start aligning yourself with other people who hate him. The enemy of my enemy 
Kind of my friend? You cannot separate the two, and I'm sorry, most of you. I don't think you can. I've seen some really smart people who hate Donald Trump, hate everything he stands for. Who come from maybe a libertarian background. Not even really full-fledged Republican, just leave me the fuck alone background. And within a few months of railing against Trump and sort of um, insulating themselves inside the anti-Trump media, they become liberals. They don't think they have. They think they're still libertarians. Ah, but they're not. As they slowly start to indoctrinate themselves into the liberal doctrine. Ideological drift. I think a lot of things, I think that happened to a lot of people on the other side as well with Barack Obama and maybe sort of a backlash against you batshit hippies. Political correctness and militant feminism. People got sick and tired of being told that their dicks made them a bad, dirty boy, and we are the problem with the entire world. So what, what happened? Well, I'm not going to line myself with that. The only other option, I guess, is over here. I'll go take a look at this. And all of a sudden, you got tea bags hanging from your hat. I think that happened a lot. I understand it. I'm trying very hard. I've, I've turned my attention, as I said in the last podcast, I've turned it away I wouldn't say a way, but my primary focus these days is not the Tea Party, not the Freedom Caucus, not even Donald Trump. It's you liberals. You preaching, crusading, save or kill the heathens, one of the two. They're going to be liberals. They're going to die. They're going to be culturally excommunicated. That's where my focus is. So I'm trying very hard to balance that with being sucked into batshit conservatism now. I got a bunch of stuff here that's been uh, sort of sitting on ice. Let's get to it right now, shall we? The way back took us way back instantly. We are officially tribalized. The internet was supposed to bring us together. It was supposed to connect the world into one big global community. But people don't want that. Do they? They don't want one big global community. They want to congregate and huddle with their own kind. America, collectively, you are not interested in facts, let alone objective news. Not in the real sense, you're not. You're so used to being catered to that you now expect your news to be politically and ideologically personalized, egocentrically supersized. Very few of you are intellectually flexible enough to objectively look at information, new or otherwise, and then reevaluate your monolithic opinions and views. I've begun to wonder if it's even in our nature, whether there's something that's in our DNA that's wired to simply protect our personal tribe at all costs, something that manifests itself through nationalism, ideology, race, religion, Something that leads us to engineer and rationalize any and all personal conclusions backwards from a tribalized groupthink point of view. Sure seems that way to me. Now, if that's the case, the internet and its ability to instantly connect us with millions of others in our own little tribes may indeed be the end of that silly utopian idea of peace. And I've long since held the thought in my head that, as Bill Hicks put it, we're a clever virus with shoes. The humanovirus may finally have the ability to intellectually isolate and strengthen its various strains 
to wage war against itself, eradicate itself. Sort of like cancer cells attacking healthy cells, you know? But, but who among us are the healthy ones? Every group thinks they are, every single one. Christians, Muslims, liberals, conservatives, environmentalists, climate change deniers, everybody. They all think that they are the healthy ones. They all think they are right. Everyone else, the outlanders, well, they, they, they're the ones that are the cancer. As I mentioned earlier, every tyrannical Stalin-esque mass murderer throughout history thought he was the antibody attacking the social disease, right? Hitler's cancer was the Jews. Yeah, nothing's changed. Islam's cancer is Christianity, uppity women and infidels of all kinds. Christianity has gays, atheists, abortionists, and Muslims. Capitalists have socialists and communists, right? The takers. Communists have the fascists. The fascists have the communists, the Bolsheviks, and whoever the fuck they feel is attacking their national heritage this week. We're most certainly a creative, industrious, inventive, yet conflicted species, aren't we? And sadly, despite any overly optimistic moonbeamers' proclamations that a new dawn is coming, uh, there's no indication that our better nature will prevail. None. And in fact, there's considerable evidence to the contrary. We're all connected now, fuckos. It's time to choose sides, isn't it? Pick your echo chamber and work hard to learn why you're supposed to hate your enemies. Me and a few others, we're going to be out here watching your self-righteous shithouse fall. Our species is failing. I'm afraid that it's destined to be little more than a galactic footnote. Another extinct, destructive, cancerous mutation. Something that vanished on the evolutionary cul-de-sac. Yep. October or November of 2014. It's the Slithering Fascism podcast. I had it uh, titled Tribal Warfare, <clears throat> excuse me, back in the day. I'll tell you what, that thing's dead on. You know, I'm afraid it's even gotten a lot worse. I understand, you know what I mean, advocating for yourself. I, I understand that to a degree. Sort of natural. But what I don't understand is when the special interests have taken such control, these personal special interests. We're talking about identity politics here, okay? I just like to think of it as a special interest group. If you're advocating for, for one specific micro-demographic, you are a cultural lobbyist engaging in advocating for a special interest. What I don't understand is how out of the other side of your mouth some of you, can talk about unity. The two are mutually exclusive. I am so sorry to tell you that. You can't advocate for one group, specially, specifically, and still talk about unifying under the guise of equality. Advocating for a special interest is mutually exclusive with equality. You can't do it. I'm telling you what, if you can, that line you're walking, that tightrope is about the size of dental floss. And I'm sorry, I haven't seen any of you yet. Especially you Uncle Toms. You penis to Uncle Toms. Who have been able to pull that stunt off. Some incredible gymnastics required there, buddy. You can't do it. You know, unity uh, through division. Rhetorically disguised 
tribalism on parade, baby. And what it's doing is subversively releasing the kraken of human duality. This is the parable of Krishna's battlefield, if you're familiar with Eastern philosophy. It's also a parable of revelations, the egocentrically externalized God-devil concepts. Several interpretations of the same exact message. None of this was ever prophecy. I see this as the inevitable, written as digestible mythology. Probably part of the, the bloody evolutionary process needed to determine the course of a species divided and fueled by an infantile sense of self-awareness, the ego, and its toddler-like perception that the world revolves around it. Self-interest, special interest, with me, and disguised self-supremacy. The antithesis of equality. Never is this on display more than when you hear a feminist talking about how white men have ruined the earth and how all we need is a vaginaed candidate to win the election and make everything okay. You know, a problem among many with theology, tribalized religion, and now this uh, now scriptured and increasingly fundamentalist holy ideology the bilateral kind, is that in order to infuse or lure its faithful with what I call sausage party hope, they presume to put their sect on the side of unquestioning right. When in reality, the very term itself is corrupt. It's bastardized by half-blind binary perception. In fact, the evolutionary outcome will have absolutely nothing, nothing to do with any childishly monolithic and barbaric concepts of right. Talking the evolutionary outcome of the duality, the split down the middle of humanity. Notions of good, especially those personally defined from a selfish center of the universe perspective, they don't always prevail, and thank God. Hey, Mr. Hitler, Mr. Stalin, what say you? Say you, Hillary. And by the way, Hillary, that was rhetorical. And this vision that she's sitting there with like this super high-tech NSA radar that any time anybody mentions her name. Huh? <sighs> you know, I've kind of become, in the last year or so, actually a lot longer now, I'm not going to get into all this, but I really identify with some parts of transcendentalism. Na natural law. But if you want to see God, go to the woods. In nature, it's messy. It has no concept nor will it bother with your petty, clouded, and egocentric de definitions of good and evil. Need your sausage party hope? Read the bedtime stories put forth as mythology and quit embarrassing yourselves. Embarrassing yourselves with these ridiculous proclamations of supposed equality and unity. Until you're part of the solution and don't actually mean, hey, let's conquer and impose our beliefs on these barbarians. Crusaders. That's tyranny. The literal textbook definition of it. You know, I saw this thing on uh, PBS six months ago, maybe. Uh, it was a Vietnam documentary. They were interviewing a guy who was in charge of like a platoon over there in Vietnam. 
And the one thing, I mean, he, he had seen a lot of death. He saw a lot of things happening over there in that war, man. And you know the one thing, and this is his words, he said, the one thing that I took out of my experience in Vietnam is that the veneer of civilization is very, very, very thin. That we're only conditioned and lightly conditioned to keep from engaging in literal tribal warfare. Main thought brought home by a Vietnam commander. Thin indeed. And this is why I tell a lot of people, I've used this phrase a lot, winter is coming. Winter is coming. Not just because the snow's flying. Uh Uh-uh. Whether you choose to believe or are ready for it or not, winter is coming. The internet was supposed to bring us all together, right? By giving everyone a voice. An equal standing and the ability to uh, be heard without gatekeepers. Everyone's opinion would be democratized. And that would be a glorious occurrence. It's a stupid idea that failed miserably. Rather than using this tool, we're using it right now to bring ourselves together. It released the id. Became a haven for escapism, porn, and most importantly, the means in which we congregated inside little echo chambers. Retribalized ourselves as ideological cells burrowed within the collective culture. At some point, these tribal echo chambers became virtual mobs, holding smartphones rather than pitchforks. Once secured inside, often slowly due to an ideological drift that I mentioned earlier, triggered by thoughts that the enemy of my enemy is my friend, typical mob group think takes over. Of course it does. These are closed intellectual ecosystems dependent upon insular rhetoric and opinion. You challenge the screaming mob, you're going to be attacked, verbally beaten, much the same way a socialist would have been bloodied outside the beer halls by brown shirts. Once inside, engaged in the mob mentality and, you know, the the warm glow of comfortable and safe tribal unity, where all opinions echo and support the rest, these opinions come to be seen as something else. They become matters of right and wrong. Not opinions anymore. Then as the mob congeals into sort of an incestuous ideological congregation, the doctrine takes life. And right and wrong quickly becomes good versus evil. Us versus them. Where the other is trying to engage in a hostile takeover of your country. You don't own it. You don't have a title indeed. It's not your country to take back from anyone. None of these ideological tribes see it that way. It becomes patriots versus traitors, right? Ideology has transformed into a secular religion. Even a cult. And how hard is it to dehumanize those your adopted doctrine and religion have deemed evil? Take a trip around cyberspace. You'll see it every day. You know, I uh, talked about this closed group. I mentioned it in the last podcast. Opened this thing up about a year ago, a little over that, and invited some people in that I thought were sensible, and most of them were. A couple of cases, however, 
formerly sensible folks who I thought resided in the middle of this left-right spectrum. Slowly, some more quickly than others, but they slowly transformed into something completely different. They had, they had obviously radicalized themselves and come to see Trump voters specifically as evil. Bad, just bad people. If you could vote for Donald Trump, you are a bad person. I posed the question shortly before I left for Peru. I asked, can anyone who voted for Donald Trump in your eyes, radicalized liberal, can they be seen still as a good human being? I got all sorts of answers. None involved the word yes. I was astounded. I mean, the mental gymnastics and the rhetorical gymnastics put forth to rationalize that because they they kind of got an idea where I was going with it, but they couldn't bring themselves to say it. They could not bring themselves to say, yeah, this guy voted for Trump. He's a good guy. No, he's got to be a racist. He's got to be stupid. He's got to be inbred. Could not be seen or at least identified specifically as a good person. Now, here's your, your little green tea leaf, hippie. You could ask the same thing. Is anyone who voted for Hillary, could anyone who voted for Hillary, could they be considered a good person? You could ask that question in some of the far-right groups, like Patriot Nation or any of these folks that uh, are rabidly into these groups. You went in there, and you asked them, anybody, can, is any, could, could anybody who voted for either Hillary or Bernie be considered a good person? I think you would probably get a similar response from the other side of the spectrum. That's troubling. That's dehumanization. Where your beliefs are evil. You're good. Their beliefs are evil. Good and bad. Right and wrong. These aren't opinions anymore. Those days are gone, my friends. The holy opinion, the word opinion, doesn't have any meaning anymore. Now it's right and wrong. And like I said, when opinion goes from right to wrong and becomes good versus evil, it's very easy and simple for the, uh, remember I mentioned the veneer of civilization? It's very easy for that to wear off. Now this is how people can join the military and justify to themselves running off to some country that never attacked us, never did anything to us, and killing citizens. Because they're not human anymore. They're not Americans. They're the bad guys. They've been dehumanized. This is a problem. Sit down and think about the veneer of civilization. How thin it really is. The examples are everywhere. And there are more similarities here. <laughs> Uh, beyond, you know, the infallible doctrine uh, between politics, ideology, and religion, both political cults and run-of-the-mill religion, standard religion, require the faithful to financially support them. But you got to send money. Each have supposed apostles preaching the good word. In 2016, Democrats had the Apostle Bernie, the Apostoless Hillary. Republicans, many of them, Mostly evangelicals actually think, literally think, Donald fucking Trump was sent by God. 
Uh, literally, they believe this, lots of them, to deliver America from evil. Trump! <laughs> yeah, he was sent by God. What kind of God is this? Uh, I have a direct line, and uh, Jesus assures me that his dad didn't send Trump. It's almost ridiculous, though, as the feminist lefties preaching that Hillary's mystical vagina was here to save us in 2016. As if her labia would be dictating policy and her crusted clitoris would be delivering tonight's State of the Union speech had she been elected. <laughs> Hyperbole? Yeah, maybe. But not quite as much as you probably think. <laughs> the holy vag. Furthermore, each of these religions, the political kind, have their own 700 club-styled propaganda network preaching the economically... Uh, tailored word to the faithful. Today's Jim Baker is Sean Hannity. Tammy Faye, well, she cut her hair and now she's an MSNBC lesbian. Who was the guy in the 80s? I've been trying to think of his name. It's not Jim Baker. Another dude that went on TV. I offend against Jesus. <laughs> Remember the, the televangelist guy? This guy reminds me of uh, Glenn Beck. But like most religions, these political cults, have also convinced the most rabid among them that they, specifically, are agents sent to recruit for the cause. For the doctrine. Spread the word. Lefties call it progressive grassroots activism. It's simple missionary work. You're spreading the doctrine. Saving the savages. And if they can't be saved, you know, you're damning them to cultural hell. Believe whatever you want, Moonbeam. Quit waving your holy political cross in my face. The parallel between religions and ideological fanatics is staggering. And today, the ones acting like the convert-or-die crusaders are on the left. Think about this for a second. The lefties, the ones who complain about religion, typically, getting religion out of politics, which I agree with. But they even have their own little sort of... <laughs> Uh, dogmatic issues. One seemingly sent from the liberal God. Religious nuts, you know how they have a, abortion and silly shit like saying Merry Christmas? Liberal nut jobs, you've got your own uh, blasphemous speech crime hidden inside of things like political correctness and gender fluidity and 600 personal pronouns. You can't say that. It's blasphemous against the doctrine. Beyond that, though, what's more serious is that these warring religions... Okay, they're starting to resemble, they're starting to make the country anyway, resemble the Middle East. With no sense of even basic common factual language on which to even begin a peace process. You can't have a conversation now between these two mobs, these two congregations. It's like putting Jewish fundamentalists in front of ISIS. There is no common ground to be found. They hate each other. That's where we're at. Now, I've spent a long time raging against the Tea Party and far-right extremism. But now, as I said earlier, my focus has been split. I'm no longer dwelling solely on Trump's fascism. It's not Trump's fascism. Trump's a manifestation of it. Trump was made possible by the attitudes that preceded him. He was also made possible 
by you liberals. I know you don't want to hear that. It's okay. Your ears aren't going to bleed. But you folks, imposing your liberal beliefs, you know, creating the world that should be. The truth is what is. What should be is a fantasy. Someone gave the people long, long ago. And the people were forced to measure up to that and couldn't. That's what you're dealing with when you say, well, the world should be this way. It's, it, it, it goes all the way back to around the time of Marxism, I do believe. Utopia. Utopia doesn't work. Same as communism didn't work. It's great on paper. It doesn't factor in human nature. And what happens when you put human beings in charge of a system like that? And, and beyond that, creating the world that should be, that you think should be, Sorry, Moonbeam. It's not your unilateral choice to make. You understand that? There's half the population that doesn't share your utopian vision. From light bulbs to 600 gender-specific pronouns to gun control to thought-slash-speech control all the way up to a borderless planet full of world citizens. If you presume to impose... That vision on half the country, you are the would-be tyrants. Do you understand that? Do you have any concept of that? No, you don't. Because you're doing God's work. God in parentheses, or in quotes. And if you're engaging in tyranny, you are by definition the enemy of freedom. And if that's the case, you already have 150 or so million enemies right now. And the further you collectively radicalize, the more you make every single day. Is this sinking in anywhere? Or am I just preaching to the choir here? The choir's getting smaller every day. I can feel it. Click, 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 click. Oh, my God. Ultimately, you're going to have to come and uh, take the country by force, hippies. If you want it. If you really, really, really want to take the country. I'm not going to say back because it's not yours. But if you really want to come and take the country, you're going to have to do it by force. You got the stomach for fighting that war? Mr. Anti-Second Amendment, Mr. I hate guns. You can do that against 300 million plus firearms? Or are you going to come take them? How's that going to work? You're going to send your kids to my buddy Chad's house and take all his guns? They're going to be your kids that go door to door taking all these guns from people who don't want to give them up? How is that going to work? You going to be out front, fucker? No. Who is? Good luck. Or maybe you think good vibes and hugs and little tofu treats. Maybe that'll soothe the emotions and bring the conservative barbarians under your spell. <laughs> maybe all that'll help you win hearts and minds, huh? Think it through, boys and girls. Or whatever pronoun I'm supposed to use here. Think it through real hard. A very apt tune for this segment. One that I have been looking forward to doing a really, really long time. Zombie Stomp to the Talking Dead. That's what this one's called. As you can probably figure out, I've probably figured out from the beginning of this segment, has a lot to do with uh, our star-spangled zombies. And they're all over. Ties directly into the previous segment, the ideological religion segment. There's another step, my friends, that people take when they're involved in mobs 
Something else happens. They take another de-evolutionary step into zombieism. Let's start at the beginning with this, though. Because uh, by nature, all right, the mind dies in solitary confinement. It needs the exchange of social, existential, and intellectual energy to thrive. It's part of our fundamental DNA, and without interaction and in a primal sense of both emotional and physical belonging, our sanity breaks down. There's a reason solitary is considered death-free capital punishment in prison. It's the equivalent of psychological torture, cruel and unusual punishment. The sharing of experience, perspective, and thought in an effort to move closer to truth, truth, in an effort to move closer to truth has driven not only society, but our collective evolution in general. It's part of the idea behind the heroic epic and Plato's returns. All this stuff goes back thousands and thousands of years. Therefore, it's not only counterintuitive, but counterproductive to the species to hoard insights and well-thought-out original ideas, key, based on personal experience and perspective. Uh, sharing an accurate and clearly articulated description of our unique sliver of perspective. It's not your personal truth. It's a perspective. And that contributes to a better uh, overall interpretation of the map of uh, the map uh, of the massive tapestry. And there's the word of reality and truth that we all share. Perspective, truth, different things. Sliver perspective is not a reality. That's why we have different words for these things. Anyway, unique is the key. Offering something new in contemporary talk. This is the distinction between a virtual and organic life. Living online, living in the real world. Organic intercourse with the physical world bears the healthiest offspring and is diametrically opposed to the retarded and deformed gargoyles birthed via insemination by virtual exposure to the matrix or cheap orthodoxy and doctrine. Are you staying with me here? Because they, those things right there, are the tyrants of our collective mind. Dining upon second-hand agenda-powered perspectives, marketed as an all-encompassing truth, to determine your detached worldview, wire the schema, is much more than lazy, uncritical thinking, my friends. It's a surrender of the authentic and autonomous self, an abandonment of personalized identity, and it contributes to the stunted, and even regressive retardation of the collective species. Sound familiar? I should have probably advertised this because research shows that in 2018, for wildly different ideological reasons, uh, the sooner someone invokes Adolf Hitler, the more often people will consume it. So here it is. Are you ready? Here comes your Hitler. Heil. While he was in prison, one of the books most influencing Uncle Adolf was uh, Freud's work on the group mind, through which uh, Hitler learned a great deal about manipulating mob stupidity. Uh, Freud's work, in turn, was largely based on Gustave Le Bon's The Crowd. Old book, 100 years old. And I could cut and paste half of it into this uh, monologue. It's a classic book. The book is short. You can get it on Google Books for free. Read it. For the love of God, put forth the effort to cut through the language. You can do it. I believe in you. I do. I believe in you, Todd Zillophiles. I do. 
<sighs> Something sinister, though, happens when intellect, active thought, and the human need to belong to a tribe is surrendered to the mob. Mobs annihilate the individual, turning them into cells of a larger, sure, but infinitely, infinitely less intelligent, thus more aggressive and dangerous new organism. With the surrender of cognitive autonomy, the process of sharing companionship, experience, and ideas, it mutates into something far different. These pitchforked mobs resembling the most barbaric of ancient tribes. It helps explain how German pediatricians, this is true, man, men who were otherwise decent, upstanding citizens, part of the community, decent human beings, how they could work as concentration camp doctors and then go home at the end of the day content that they had done, again in quotes, God's work. Group mind, mob mentality, group think, surrendering the autonomy of mind to a far larger yet far less intelligent organism. Once given over to collectively dogmatic cognition, uh, the individual becomes, at its essence, a pulsed zombie, creature engaged in no thought of its own. His brain stops functioning as a mind and becomes a reactionary reflex machine, instinctively groaning the mob's drones of brains. Or today, I'm outraged. Liberals bad. Trump voters racist. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry about that. I wish zombies could cough, even though we could identify them. Uh, anyway, each cognitive reflex remotely triggered by a devices of convenience that we pay for, our phones, our laptops, our internet connections. Uh, that brings me to uh, what's become probably a familiar topic. This, Tonzilla Files, is an initial, just an initial, dissection of the social media disease. Uh, with the virus floating freely inside countless sealed echo chambers where dehumanizing the enemy is the game of choice. It's no longer required, this is key, no longer required for individuals to physically congregate in order to descend into mob mentality zombieism. They don't have to get together anymore. You can do it from your couch in your dirty, filthy underwear. And you do. Some of you are probably on the couch in your underwear right now. Are you a zombie? Hmm? Turn your head and cough. <laughs> Internet has become the virus uh, delivery system, the means by which an external entity can invade anyone's home, anyone's, to hijack, then remotely control their mind. That's what's happening. Fine, you don't like the overused zombie metaphor? Well, I think it's beautiful, but fine. I'll play along. Let's use one unique to at least probably this century. In many ways, these doctrines, dogmas, and orthodoxies deactivate the thought process in much the same way computer viruses remotely hijack your laptop. Once the ideological Trojan horse has extracted itself into and corrupted your neural net, you're effectively lobotomized, effectively assimilated into the cyber mob while someone else controls your operating system. You're, lo you're no longer in control of your machines, your minds, function. <sighs> now, some security systems are much better than others. Some proverbial firewalls are more 
more sophisticated. But no one's naturally immune, and I don't have to look any further than myself for the example. I referred to it earlier today as ideological drift. But a Trojan horse methodically extracting itself into my operating system feels a, a bit more accurate, more like what happened. It occurred over the course of several years as I slowly but steadily assimilated to the lazy notion that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I hate the teabaggers. Therefore, liberals are my friends. I cannot believe we elected Donald Trump. They hate Trump. Therefore, they're my friends. That was wrong. I think I mentioned this in the uh, podcast yesterday, but uh, another friend actually and accidentally triggered the metaphorical virus scan back in March. And uh, suffice it to say, it found a lot of threats. The first was a vast collection of liberal propaganda outlets farting themselves into my Facebook feed every minute. Next, it was MSNBC's supposed lesbian Edward R. Murrow. She required extraction, and eventually each of the amateur liberal propaganda parrots who were loitering inside my friends list, they went away as well. And I came to see each of them as delivering remote commands issued by someone inside a hovering dogma mothership. Brains, brains must deliver talking points. Yes, many liberal and conservative mob butts were hurt in the process. I understand firsthand how alluring it can be to place yourself at the center of a tribe, seeing itself as defending the homeland from the dehumanized barbarian Auslanders looking to ideologically rape and pillage. I get that. I do. It gives one a sense of self-righteous supremacy, just as it does within actual physical, living, breathing, organic mobs. No one frothing at the mouth inside Hitler's beer halls or beating their opponents in the street thought they were anything but right. They didn't think they were bad people like you think they're bad people. They thought they were on the right side of history and God's law. What's most difficult is not the seeing, though. You can see it, but admitting you're not thinking for yourself, that's the hard part. It requires an uncommon degree of personal humility and or commitment to truth. The real truth. Not your adopted ideology not truth according to your perspective or your perception. The truth. A tethering to facts. And when you do that, these sort of acts, they risk incurring the mob's backlash. You're going to be seen as a traitor. I bet you there's a couple of you out there right now. A couple of my old liberal friends. I can't believe he's, he's talking this way about us. He, he's a traitor. Treason, ideological treason and blasphemy. Get him, get him, string him up. And when that happens... Banishment from the tribe. It sounds silly to fear zombie banishment, right? But uh, the fear is significant for most and runs directly back to the original thought at the beginning of this segment, the need to belong. People need to feel a part of something. And uh, all this makes it quite hard to disconnect from comfortable, anti-intellectual momentum induced by membership in the zombified mob. I don't think I've mentioned it yet, but eventually I'll be getting to the self-deluding traits of what I call the Don Quixote Complex. Stay tuned for that. That's coming soon, too. But knowing what it looks and sounds like has afflicted me with hyper-awareness of the unbelievable number of people who remain obliviously unaware, or worse, unconcerned, that their minds have been hijacked. 
by doctrine, dogma, ideological religion, the mob. Now, I need to put out a warning here. (laughs) Maybe this is self-apparent, but never, ever, ever, never tell any rhetorically regurgitating zombies they're not thinking autonomously, especially, this is so important, never, ever, ever do that in front of their mob. Don't do it. (laughs) It may be a good time to warn. Are there any stray hippies left here? (laughs) There's turbulence ahead, bitches. (laughs) Buckle up, snowflake. Anyway. Uh, As with the internet, the only sure way of fully protecting yourself, aside from constant personal virus scans, is just cutting the cord. Another slightly less effective method, but one that's excellent for simply eliminating the cacophony of virtual zombie grunts and groans, is either blocking all incoming connections or designated trusted sites and individuals to be allowed through your personal little firewall. I'm not optimistic. You're a bad man. You're a very bad man. And you keep thinking bad thoughts about me.